Today with Catherine Ruinala. Well, we're beginning um, where uh, we were just looking at Isaiah 60. And it says here, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. But behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. You know, I really believe this key word here, his glory will appear upon you, is what God is wanting to speak to us right now. It is the invitation that God is inviting us into, to behold him, to see him, to enjoy him, to understand his great delight in revealing to us the glory of his face, the favor of his face, so that as we look at him, as we behold him, the Bible says, as we behold him with unveiled faces, we all are being transformed into that same image. To arise and shine is something that happens as we wait upon the Lord and he causes us in his strength to mount up, arise on wings like eagles, to run and not grow weary, walk and not faint, and to shine. You know, I've been thinking so much recently about the blessing, the, the song that's gone around the world. Um, but is, is the apostolic prayer, is the ironic priestly prayer of blessing that comes from Numbers chapter six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God's desire to make his face shine on us is what gives us the capacity to arise and shine. He makes us lie down in green pastures so that he can turn his face toward us so that as we look full in his wonderful face, we see his glory. Now, I was reading this afternoon and, um, or just this morning, actually, in my prayer time, and I was interested. I, I wanna share this with you. Isaiah 53, and it's a passage many of you would be familiar with, but verse 11 of Isaiah 53. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. You know, I read this and this afternoon, and as I was looking at that and just meditating on it, and as I went to pray, I began to realize the incredible glory of understanding that God is delighting to reveal who he is to us. And you know, I don't know about you, but in my life, I have often, every day, things that I have to deal with, situations I have to sort out, problems, circumstances. And in the world today, there are so many issues and problems. But when I come to pray, God speaks and he, he wants to remind me, I loved you, I love you so much that I died for you, I gave my life for you. And all of the, the little issues, the problems, the concerns, the things we have to sort out, all of those things are just secondary and 
something that he has already got in hand, but his number one agenda is not to talk more about the problems, but to lift up your head to firstly see his face and remember who he is. You see, because when we do this, when we remember who he is, suddenly we come into a place of holy confidence. It's a place of worship and adoration and a remembrance of the glory of who he is. And in that place, out of that place, only from that place can we ask about the little things, the issues, the problems, the circumstances, the the things going on in the world around us. God wants us to begin by beholding. You know, I've just been sharing out of um, the Lord's Prayer recently. And the disciples would see Jesus praying and they, they said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. They wanted to have a connection with the Father like Jesus had. And they, they were like, tell us how you do this. And Jesus said, start like this, our Father. And he was telling them, the same relationship you see me having with the Father, that's available to you. So when you approach him, approach him with the same knowledge that just as I can talk freely with him, so can you. That our Father is here, present, ready to talk with us. That we can boldly approach the throne of grace. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And you know, I really believe that Jesus was helping us understand a key that as we get before the Lord and begin to just give him glory, to hallow his name, to see him lifted up, to recognize you are the one who bore my iniquities. You're the one who became flesh and died, suffered and died for me. You are God of the universe. You are God who created everything. You are God, the Alpha and the Omega. God, we hallow your name. As we behold him, as we start to remember and to adore him for who he is, then we get to begin to see the glory of his his radiance and we ourselves begin to light up. Our deep connects with his deep and suddenly we're lifted up, we're refreshed, we're revived. You know, revival is something that has to begin in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is moving, he's breathing. Even as we've had to go through this worldwide pandemic where so many churches have been shut down, it's given opportunity for people to have to connect, have to find God for themselves. And as we do that and connect with him and receive a personal refreshing, a personal reviving as our deep connects with his glory, He makes his glory shine on us. He is our glory and the lifter of our head so that when we come back together, the corporate blessing, the divine glory coming together will take us to a new level that will overflow into the streets, the cities, and the nations will come to the brightness of our rising. You know, I was thinking even as I was just reading this today and being reminded that God's not up there wringing his hands about all the issues in the earth right now, that God's not got the, the 
pandemic is the top of his mind or hasn't got the issues and the problems that we're facing top of mind, though he cares so deeply about every detail and wants us to talk to him about it all, he knows and is absolutely confident about, confident about what he wants to do in those situations. His first priority, though, is for you to come and lift up your head, for him to be able to lift up your face and remind you, I love you, I love you, I love you with an everlasting love. And as we allow him to still our souls, to remind us of his glory, suddenly we come into a place of divine perspective. I started singing this old hymn this afternoon be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. It's a famous old Irish hymn. But that line, thou my best thought by day or by night, really just began to challenge me. Is he my best thought? He absolutely is. But is he my primary thought? I began to realize that actually my default can tend to be back into problems or, you know, the issues that are troubling me. And I, I realized these are the little foxes that spoil the vine. And God's heart for us is to be living in a place of communion where we are continually coming and saying, our Father, the same relationship that you had with Jesus as he walked the earth, I can have with you today. I come to see you. Show me your glory. Like Moses prayed, show me your glory that I might hallow your name because as I see you, as I behold you, as I remember and as I worship you, in that place, your light, your glory allows me to see with heavenly perspective, with true perspective, to realize what is the most important thing. You see, the Bible also says that in his light, we see light. For the nations to come to the brightness of our rising, that light doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from the divine connection of us as one with him, beholding him, worshiping him, letting him become our best thought by day or by night, and lighting up the deep need in our heart to walk in supernatural connection with him. The more issues, the more problems Jesus had, the more time he spent communing with the Father. Because he understood something. And that is that those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. As you go on through the Lord's Prayer, then he tells us to ask. He tells us in Philippians to ask about everything, to, to not be worried about anything, but ask about everything. But the asking doesn't, doesn't come, become the first thing, because if it was the first thing, 
we'd be asking out of a place of stress and worry and anxiety. But if instead we make the first thing, beholding him, Psalm 27, one thing I have desired, this shall I seek, that I may behold you in your temple. If we could remember to make the first thing, hallowed be your name, my Father, our Father, hallowed be your name. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, you who dwell in the heavens, you who made the heavens and the earth. God, I come to worship you. As we do that, the Holy Spirit wants to lift you up. Hi, friends. For so many years, I lived with condemnation, frustrated that I didn't fully measure up. Then the Holy Spirit began to reveal the truth that I was loved, set free, and defined by the performance of Jesus, not by my good works. Such a basic truth, I didn't really understand it. Let me help you fully grasp the goodness of God and how He's designed us to live supernaturally as new creations. Imagine if you were truly supernaturally free from sin and shame, free to follow the desires that God's placed in your heart. In my new book, Supernatural Freedom, I give you simple keys to unlock the freedom that you were designed to live in every day. I remember hearing um, James Graham's story, and uh, James is on our board here at Glory City, and he was diagnosed back uh, five years ago with end-stage bowel cancer. He had a big bowel tumor in his, his bowel. He had secondary tumors in the, lump, in the lungs and in the lymph nodes. They actually said it was stage 5B, which is the end. And he'd had a, finally had been able to have a operation to remove the main tumor, but then the bowel stopped, didn't work again. And, and um, nine days later, he was in absolute agony and the, there was very little hope being given for his survival. And we went and prayed for him. It was Father's Day, I remember. We walked in, I remember seeing him, and I said, James, you look terrible. Let's take a picture. This is going to preach really well. And then, uh, so we took a picture. We praised God. We thanked him for his goodness. We prayed and we left. And then the following night at midnight, Jesus walked into his hospital room, and he had a seven-hour encounter with God. And throughout the encounter, uh, partway through, James said to the Lord, he said, Lord, you haven't mentioned cancer. And the Lord just smiled at him and said, well, that's because it's irrelevant. He then woke up at 7 a.m. completely healed. He, many of you know today, James, you heard him minister even recently here. And I love that because that is so like God and that we think the world is revolving around the problems and the issues that we're facing, but actually God is in heaven. He sits enthroned above it all. He cares about it all, but it is, it is as nothing because his power is so great, he's able to take care of all of that. What's more important to him? He'll take care of all that. The Bible says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. 
but in seeking him first, we'll come back into a place of supernatural peace, supernatural joy, and a place where we can let his face shine on us so that we can arise and shine. You know, I believe that um, as we give him his rightful glory, as we as a people come back to a place of humbling ourselves before him and remembering you are God, you are the one. And instead of just remembering the cross at Easter time and thinking about it as some almost cliched thing that happened in history, if we could live with an awareness of the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, the glory of God, the revelation every day. I have eternal life because God loved me so much that while I was yet a sinner, he died for me because he loved me. If I could live aware of the glory of the Lord that the sun rose this morning because he made it so. That, that everything, that I woke up this morning with breath in my lungs because he gave me life. And if we could live with an awareness of his majesty and his glory as the, our best thought by day or by night, then we light up. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. The Bible also says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So in order to arise, we have to tap into the strength, the supernatural strength that God wants to give us. That strength comes from the, be, the joy of being in his presence. And the joy of being in his presence will be hotly contested by the enemy. He will come with his assault against your mind, trying to fill your thoughts with everything that uh, he can to keep you distracted. I believe that one of the key weapons the enemy is using against believers today is distraction. He's seeking to keep us distracted so that we don't look there. Because when we look there, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. In, in that place, suddenly, ah, that's right. I can put aside all the struggles, all the fears, all the worries. I can lay it down. I can worship him. I can come into that place of supernatural divine rest, supernatural peace, supernatural joy, a holy confidence where he reminds me he is the redeemer, the one who separated me from my sin, the one who's forgiven me. As I've repented, he's, he's given me his grace, his righteousness. I've been made clean. Oh, merciful God. You have given me life. You've given me a new heart. You've given me your righteousness. As we remember and hallow his name, glorify him and give him worship. As we give him the honor and the glory that is due, that light then begins to light our life up. That light then begins to shine on us, in us, through us. 
and everyone we meet will see what we've been beholding. The Bible says uh, that we reflect, we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. In beholding his glory, we reflect what we're looking at. You can always tell when someone's been beholding their problems. Because when you start to talk to them, or even if you say hello, you say, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. And you know instantly what they're beholding. If you, uh, if you talk to somebody even for a few minutes and they've got their mask on, oh, hey, brother, sister, how are you doing? Yes, I'm great. And then you talk to them for a couple of minutes and then you oh, begin to hear the problems. It's not that we shouldn't bear one another's burdens. It's not that we shouldn't be vulnerable and open-hearted and real with each other. That's important. And we want to do that. And we, that's why we love to pray for each other. But you see, those that will make it their priority to have him as our best thought by day or by night, those who make it their priority to give him worship, to give him glory, not as an obligation, but as their life source, those who will understand what Jesus understood in that the worst things seem to be, the more you can run to him and the more strength, joy, hope, help, love that he has to give, then those ones, while deep darkness is covering the peoples, those ones will arise and they'll shine and people will come and want to know what is it about you? Why are you so happy? Why are you so full of peace? Why are you so joyful? What's the reason for your hope? Our hope isn't something that we cling to as a philosophy. And it's not even something that we, God asks us to hold on to as a once spoken promise never repeated. Every day he wants to remind you personally of his hope, of his delight, of his promises. He doesn't expect us to trust somebody we don't know, so every day he wants you to know him in a fresh way, to understand, to hallow his name so that you recognize and remember the bigness of your God, the one who isn't distant from you, but the one who invites us to live in a supernatural connection with him, you know, in the book of Revelation, in uh, Revelation 3, it speaks to the Laodicean church and it, they're there and they, they say, well, I'm rich and full and have need of nothing. And the heart of God is just breaking and saying, you don't know. You don't understand how needy you actually are. You don't understand how you're not seeing. You're, you're blind. What he's saying is that Without seeking his face, without seeing him, you actually lose sight of what, you, what the real situation is. Only in his light do we see light. Only in his light do we understand our deep need for him. And it's only as we come in humility and connect our deep need with the deep kindness of his love, as it says in the Passion Translation, do we get to engage in this supernatural, divine arising that can happen every day and begin in your bedroom alone with God. I love it as, as he goes on and speaks to them. He, he, he says this, he says, I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, Revelation 3, 
verse 18. Uh, so, that you, uh, so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I rep- reprove and discipline, therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. What he's saying is, hey, I wanna eat with you. I want to talk with you. I want you to recognize your need so that I can meet your need. I want you to recognize you were never created to walk this life alone with occasional maybe help from someone here or there. He wants us to recognize we are created to live in fellowship with him. And he wants us to take advantage of the pleasure and the privilege and the strength and the joy and the life source that fellowship with him brings. You know, I I really believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to give revelation to us of the glory of God like we've never had before. Why? Because I believe as we see his glory, we will reflect what he is seeing. And the, the word of God tells us that he has designed and destined for his glory to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. He is our glory and the lifter of our heads. And the more we see, the more we behold, watch and see, I prophesy, there is gonna be moves of God in worship that are going to be some, like some, nothing we've seen before. As the people of God corporately come to hallow his name, I believe the glory of the Lord is gonna be revealed in such wonderful ways that the people of God are gonna be lit up afresh in such a way that we will see this last great move of the Holy Ghost sweep the earth and cause people to want to know this one that's making you and I shine supernaturally. Like Stephen shone as he was being stoned to death. He was beholding Jesus. And the people saw it. And it sparked a a worldwide revival that's still moving through the earth today. 